This is The Crucible. The JRTC Experience. This is, if I would have only known, a candid conversation with leaders. In this series, we discuss brigade combat team warfighting skills and lessons learned in a decisive action training environment for large-scale combat operations at JRTC. Hi, I'm Colonel Matt Hardman, the Commander of Operations Group here at the Joint Readiness Training Center. Thanks for joining us for another episode of The Crucible, the JRTC Experience. And today, we are future, uh, super fortunate to have uh, the guests that we have. Would you introduce yourself, please? Hi, my name is Colonel Rob Shaw. I'm the commander of the 3rd Brigade Combat Team out of the 25th Infantry Division at Schofield Barracks, Hawaii. And in a former life, he was known as the Shaw Dog, uh, as we were... Uh, I appreciate you bringing that up. Yeah, we were fortunate enough uh, to get to serve together in 2505 uh, when we were both captains uh, a long, long time ago. So if you don't mind, you just tell us, I mean, I know your history, but if you just yeah. tell us kind of your history, yeah. uh, you know, where you were born, no, uh, you just kind of background. From the army, okay. Well, first and foremost, I'm, I'm married, 23 years now, son Jack. You're familiar with both my kids, Jack and Lily. Yeah. Jack's Jack will be 21 in a couple of days. Lily will be 18, and Jack's an ROTC cadet at University of Alabama and doing great. Lily will graduate high school this year. Um, that's kind of the center of the onion for me. Um, yeah. But you know, if I go back in time a little bit, um, I I gave college a try as a young man. Didn't didn't work out for me uh, for a variety of reasons, and I enlisted in the army. Um, so my, my dad's a disabled Vietnam vet, infantry platoon sergeant from Vietnam. I always looked up to him like most of us do with our dads. And Anyway, joined the Army, went to the 82nd Airborne Division, worked for um, some phenomenal people there. Uh, one, uh, uh, Second Lieutenant D.A. Sims, leader of infantry, um, was my platoon leader. He encouraged me to go to West Point. Long story short, I got the opportunity to come out of the 82nd as, in, as a specialist and go to the prep school graduated from West Point in 99. It's an amazing program. Um, 85 soldiers a year have the opportunity to go. They never fill the slots. Right, and that's on And that's on. And us. it's on us. On us. 100%. Right. 100%. Um, and because I'm stubborn, I wanted to go right back to the brigade. I was a private in. I went back to 3rd Brigade, 382, the Panther Brigade, because it changed my life. It's a great organization. And I got assigned to 2 Panther uh, as a weapons uh, platoon leader right out of the gate. Important to note, um, <laughs> I showed up without a ranger tab because you know I had some someone you know I broke my hand, but not before I recycled Darby. Ranger school did not go well, so I spent a year at Bragg without a ranger tab, which is no you know nothing a infantry lieutenant wants to deal with in his in his first assignment. But anyway, um, had a weapons platoon for a year, learned a ton in D Company and Two Panther. Uh, got through Ranger School, had a rifle platoon in your former company, Bino. Yeah. Uh, yep. And uh, was Muldoon Six for a little while. Muldoon Six yeah, which in was the flesh. Super fun. Yeah. Super fun. And there's great history in that company. And uh, and then I had the opportunity to be the support platoon leader. And you know, initially you counseled and gave me some therapy as I migrated into the support platoon. But it was one of the best jobs I ever had. Ever. I learned a ton. Support platoon leader with you. We deployed. You know, to to Afghanistan together and. 
you know, our generation, I watched the towers come down from the Gator Lounge in Florida. So there's before 9-11, there's after, and for you and I, our whole career's been defined by that inflection point, uh, you know, as you, as you know, but um, had the opportunity to, to be in HHC as a support platoon leader, and then backfilled you as the S4, where, you know, that was yeah. a, also a great experience, and you fixed, went off to command. Fixed everything <laughs> I screwed up I, in the fourth shot. I know that's not true. <laughs> Um, and, and then left, left Bragg, went to the advanced course, went out to Lewis because, it, you know, I wanted to be a striker guy. You had been a striker guy, and we had talked a lot about that at that point, and, um, and, and joined 124 Infantry. It was, you know, then Colonel Bob Brown's brigade, the Lancer Brigade. We backfilled the first SBCT in Iraq. We replaced them in Mosul, and as we ripped into Mosul, some really, really that was That was my crucible experience yeah, as tough, Army tough officer. Times. It was a tough time. And, you know, we, we, it was a lot of fighting. And we had a really good battalion, but we learned some hard lessons. Um, I'm happy to talk about any of that. Um, I commanded for about three months in Iraq and was injured uh, by a suicide car bomb there that uh, killed my first sergeant, um, a sniper in my HHC. Uh, my interpreter passed as a result of that, and my FSO was badly injured. But I'm proud to say he's still on active duty. He fought to stay, and he's done some amazing things. But that was an inflection point for me. So I came out of command, went back to the States, and spent, a, spent about a year rehabilitating. I was in a wheelchair for a little while, had some surgery, uh, but had the opportunity to take my old company back. But this time, it, that company had reflagged as 2CR. And I took my old company back from the guy that took it from me when I was injured, and we flew to Vilsack, Germany, and stood up 2CR. And I spent about 12 months in command there. And about 10 months into that, um, I had the opportunity to go to Rope and uh, assessed and, and went to 2nd Ranger Battalion and worked for then Lieutenant Colonel Eric Carrilla. It was an AS3 for a while and then got an additional 24 months of Ranger Company Command and a bunch of trips in and out of uh, Iraq at that point. Came out of the Rangers, commanded as a major, which I thought was really great. You know, you never want to let it go, and I got an extra year there as a major, so I enjoyed that. And, um, and I went to, uh, I, I got picked up for the Downing Fellowship and spent two years in, at Harvard doing a master's program. That, that's in a phenomenal scholarship opportunity. There's a bunch of them. That one, that one, you know, I was fortunate to get. So we spent a couple of years in Boston um, studying public policy. Please don't ask me hard questions about public policy. Um, came, came, out of, uh, came out of that program and went to 1st Ranger Battalion and was a plans officer S3, and then for about six months, XO, learned a ton, worked for two great bosses, some additional deployments in and out of Afghanistan, and um, got moved to the Pentagon where I was General Odierno's aide for his last year in the Army, and then I stayed on with General Milley for an additional 18 months as his aide, so a solid 30 months there. Yeah. Learned a ton, um, but was ready to go and, and went out to Vicenza, commanded um, 1503 as part of the 173rd Airborne Brigade. Um, came out of that after a couple of years and, and commanded the, red, uh, the Ranger Regiment Special Troops Battalion. The STB has a reconnaissance company in HHC, does the assessment and selection for the regiment, and, um, and has a communications company. Learned a ton because everything in that portfolio was out of my comfort zone. It was really fun, learned a ton. Super proud of my time in that organization, particularly given the contributions they made to Afghanistan while I was part of that team. Came out of there, went to the War College at Carlisle, and now I'm a little over a year into uh, Brigade Command at Schofield. So that's 
26 years in about right. around three or four minutes. So that's the story. Um, you know, and, and so, you know, not to make you blush, but, you know, I, I uh, you know, one, been one of my heroes, like, the whole time in the Army. And, uh, you know, in, in particular, you know, this will seem weird, but, you know, you, you talked about your experience with range school up front. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've, like, I'm sure you have seen some crestfallen uh, folks along the way, yep. officers and NCOs yep. that have gone down there and you know they got a yep. sign over the place that says "Not for the weak or the pain of heart." Right. And yeah. um, you know, I, I got fortunate to go uh, to graduate the first time through, uh, really by, by a lot of luck and a lot of help from other people. Yeah. Um, but you know, you, you talk about that experience, and I, and I always bring it up with with folks that you know have had some had some friction with it because it isn't how you start. So you finish. You finish. You're right. And right. you know, and then you go on to command a ranger company for twenty four months, a ranger field yeah. grade for God you know, gosh knows how long, and then command a ranger battalion. And so yeah. you know, sometimes uh, folks think that, you know, people like, you know, Colonel Shaw can rip out an action figure box and come, you know, pre equipped with Kung Fu grip and all the cool weapons and the reality for all of us is messier. Yeah. It's a journey. It, it uh, is yeah. absolutely a journey. Yeah. Well, as a lieutenant, I remember every master sergeant above in the division, the 82nd, um, would they would see me without a tab and they'd pull me aside. Hey, it's really important you go to ranger school. And after a year of that, you're like, let's just get this thing done. Yeah. You know, let's get <laughs> yeah, this thing so we can over. we can move on. Uh, but I'm absolutely empathetic. And yeah. there've been a number of folks over my career where you pull them aside and you go, hey man, you got this. Like yeah. a little bit of a stumble here. I've been yeah. you. Um, yeah, so 100% agree with you. Well, and this, I think the other part of that from a leadership is, you know, not being afraid of failure. Like if it was, if it was easy, like everybody do it. The, yeah. the graduation rate wouldn't be 50%, right? Yep. You know, yep. doing hard things means that we're going to stumble. Yep. Um, yep. But it's worth doing hard things, and it's worth being around people that do hard things. And that's one of the things, you know, at least personally, I've, yeah. I've really always appreciated about you, somebody that's willing to do hard things. Well, I, I appreciate you saying it. Yeah, those were those were tough lieutenant days, but surmountable. And in hindsight, so minor, yeah. right? Because opportunities opened up that I never would have envisioned. So, right. Yeah. Um, hey, so uh, you know, really diverse. Uh, a, a lot of time in the Ranger Regiment, but a really diverse career experience. You know, uh, first, you know, you, know, you kind of started out talking about it. You know, this enlisted to officer. And, um, you know, and that's another one that's always kind of stuck with me is, you know, somebody took the time yeah. and identified in you yeah. talent and, yep. and, and nurtured that talent and, and uh, you know, cared for it and got you to the right place to make yeah. sure that not only for, for you and, yep. and your family, you know, Jack and Lily weren't even a twinkle in your eye yet, uh, but making a better life, you know, for your family and you yep. and then ultimately making the Army better, which is pretty awesome. And, and at our you know, stage in life, it is all about that. It's about investing in other people. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it's a pretty cool story. Um, and he's being modest, but he's got his name written down in there next to some pretty awesome people, former first captain of, of West Point as well. So I feel like being a rock star yeah, when I, I was up there teaching. I don't know. I don't know about that. I, I, um, I'm just, I'm grateful. So the message to my lieutenants now because of that experience is, and it's a general votelism, right? Use your superpowers for good. <laughs> second, second Lieutenant Sims, um, 
he's now the direct, you know, he's the J3 of the joint staff, and I like to think I had something to do with that. Yeah, right. As, as, as his RTO. As his RTO, um, right. But even even a second lieutenant or a sergeant, you have a superpower, and yeah. you need to wield that for, for, for good. For good, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and I, you know, I gotta be honest. I tell your story exactly in the same way of like, hey, this is on us to get yeah. folks in the right place. Yeah. Is that superpower? Yeah. Um, so you've been in command a year, and, and I'm fortunate. You know, the army paid for you to come see me. Yeah. Not really. They yeah. they paid they paid for uh, uh, the Bronco yeah. team to come down here uh, and do the leader uh, training program. Um, you know, tell me a little bit about that experience and your preparation for it. Yeah, so we're we're a few days into the leader training program. Full disclosure, my initial thought was, let's stay at Schofield. We've got we've got a busy calendar coming up. General Ryan said, hey, you need to go out there. Of course, absolutely right. Now that we're here, unencumbered by other distractions, etc. And the coaching, you know, we're, again, we're only a few days into it. The coaching is it's been zero threat and it's been great. Um, in terms of what we've been doing, I think our division has a very very good predictable. You're either spending a year preparing for JPMRC or you're spending a year in support of, you know, the campaign in the Pacific, known as Pacific Pathways. It's very predictable. So for the last year, our entire brigade has been focused almost exclusively at the battalion squadron level and below, moving through all the training gates that we know you got to hit to prepare. But as we rounded the summer leave period here a couple months ago, now it's about bringing the team together. So we did a fire sport coordination exercise that was really about communications and less about fires as we know and we learned a lot of hard lessons by integrating that network um, but that was for me that was kind of the Thayer method approach right we're gonna go big expose kind of gaps and then we're gonna we're gonna fix them then we spent some time because like the army every year there's a lot of turnover so we knew the summer transition period we'd have our majors in place so when the last major arrived we did a staff X first round of crawling through MDMP to kind of prime us for what we were going to do here. And now we're at LTP. And so we're going to do this experience and, and leaven the staff, get current on LISCO because let, let's, let's be honest about it. We've only recently moved from conceptual to doctrine. Guys like me and you spent most of our time fighting a different type of war. And we've got to have some humility that you know, we, we got we to gotta quickly learn kind of this different approach. Yeah. Um, so we're baselining all of us in the same language and doctrine, including myself. This is my first leader training program. And I've been in the Army 26 years. I'm kind of embarrassed to admit it. No. I needed it like 20 years ago. We all need it, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's, it, it is, uh, you know, running, you know, running fast for, for 20 years. <laughs> yeah. Really fast. Next thing you know, uh, here you are. But yeah. we come out of LTP and we're going to spend uh, about a week resetting and then we go into almost week-long uh, planning exercise, a CPX with our division HICON just the brigade staff plus the enablers. So we're gonna take what we learned and then we're gonna turn the wheel a few more times to exercise the machinery, focus on the brigade staff, and then we'll break into company live fire sticks. But that CPX really is gonna, if we do it right, it'll allow us to walk fast, maybe jog a little bit coming out of LTP. September ends, October's about getting ready to go to war with 2nd Brigade. I love Graham White, but we're not friends right around mid-October. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to mount miles, and, and we're going we're gonna to go do our uh, CTC experience, JPMRC, out there starting towards the end of October, and it'll end around the middle of November. 
Uh, and so let's talk a little bit about JPMRC. So, um, you know, 196 uh, Brigade, uh, Colonel Martin yep. is the cog for JPMRC. Yep. Um, we'll provide, you know, JRTC Ops Group will provide some OCTs to help reinforce what they're doing. Uh, talk, talk to us a little bit about JPMRC. What, what is that? Um, you know, how, what's the sort of the mission and the, and the philosophy behind it? Well, the, the Joint Pacific Multinational Readiness Center, you know, the mission is similar to what your Joint Readiness Training Center, or our JRTC does, NTC does, and JMRC out, out in Hohenfels. It is, a, it is an entity to, to provide that type of experience out in the Pacific. You know, there's partners and allies out there that for a variety of reasons, you know, they can come to a JPMRC but maybe aren't able to attend some of the others. There's some Pacific unique challenges that, in my view, warrant maybe a CTC with that, you know, regional focus. Um, and it's it is the CTC experience for the IBCTs that are that are out there in, in Hawaii. Yeah, and so and I'm probably got to be careful. I don't give too much away about your rotation, <laughs> right? But you know, I got to yeah. look at the the kind of the um, scenario design of it. You know, a uh, lot of lot of Navy, yeah. uh, some Marine Corps, yeah. obviously Air Force, um, but also a, a lot of uh, allies and partners participating in that as yeah. well. Yep. And yep. so, you know, the, you know, obviously there's the interoperability component, but you know, I think there's, um, you know, the the other components. I mean, haven't haven't had the opportunity to do some some stuff in the Pacific as a battalion commander. Um, you really do get the exposure to one, you know, who who our allies and partners are, yeah. how we integrate together. Yeah. Um, but then some of the real challenges in the Pacific, particularly with distance. Distances. Yep. Um, so what do you you know what do you hope you know to get out of that experience for the brigade? I mean, we've done a lot of great training up to this point, uh, battalion and below. We're going to tie it together uh, a little bit here at the staff level with LTP. Uh, we're going to do a CPX, and then and then we're gonna we're gonna fight uh, second brigade, uh, and yeah. I'm sure we'll give them a, a dreaded name as well. Yeah. But you know, what for you personally, what are you hoping to get out of it for the brigade? Uh, for, for me po personally, what I'm hoping to get out of it, um, first and foremost, so says every brigade commander, I think the Bronco Brigade and the 25th Division, there's, there's a lot of really good people out there. Yeah. There's a ton of talent in, in, in that division. There's a ton of talent in the brigade. For me personally, I want to make sure that I am not the reason we are not able to actualize that talent. Yeah at JPMRC. I have really high expectations for the organization just based on the talent that we have and the opportunities we've had to train and really an unencumbered year to prepare for this. And I personally don't want to fall short. Yeah. Um, that's number one. The, the other is I want, and we talked a little bit about this last night, we've done, we've got a very good LPD program in the brigade. I've got very good commanders in, at the 05 level and sergeants majors. We couldn't have had, in my view, a better year to prepare. Hey, I got to step in here real quick, because you you described it really well when we were talking. You know, could you describe how you've done professional development with company commanders? Um, we've, you know, one of the things that that I came into it aspirationally was, while you're a member of the Bronco Brigade, if with me, you know, in the in the commander spot, I want you to for the rest of your career, try and replicate the leader development experience that you had at that time in your career. That's a little bit aspirational. Yeah. But 
you know, how we spend our time says a lot about what's really important to us and our, our priorities in the, in the division, in the brigade, you know, certainly in the brigade, what I would say it's, you know, leader development. If, it, if, if this shows you how terrible I am at all things doctrine, to me, it's, it's a metal task, right? Yeah. It has to be important and you have to spend money and time against it. So with the company commanders, what we do is um, once a month and it's, it happens you know, nothing, nothing bumps it off. I'm proud to say we've done it every month. Um, we come in and we do something really terrible for PT. <laughs> and we all do it. Uh, we, and we all do it together. A little privation and hardship. A little, little, you know, good couple hours of, of something that's really challenging. Uh, but we all do it together. And then when it's done, you know, you, you grab your protein shake and you go right up into our kind of conventional space where we do all of our, all of our kind of gatherings, you know, we called the Sergeant Gagalak Room, named after a fallen uh, No Fear soldier from 2008 in Iraq. Anyway, we come together and we have a focus, you know, a war fighting function, and it's a little bit of academic, and then it's a sand table, and we just, we just talk, all right, why'd you do that? How can you do it different? We change up leader positions, so it's all very tactically focused, and I intentionally, you know, I had guys say, interested in the professional ethic, I'm interested in some of this other, okay. I mean, we, we'll get to that by exception, but at least once a month, we're just going to talk about the we're CORE fighting. of the business. Yeah. And your podcasts have been part of that. Some professional reading goes out over, we have a company commander team site where we iterate with each other and go back and forth. And, and we just talk about war fighting because, and I think you would agree, we just don't do it enough. Right. No, I listen, and, you know, appreciate you sharing that. and, and um, that you know, it's, it's funny, and in part it's because we serve for the same people, and, yeah. and yeah. you know, I, I, I have the same view. I mean, I, I feel I look back at, at some of the leaders I was fortunate to have that invested from a leader development standpoint in, in me personally and those around me, and that, and that's I think that that's it. You know, it's like I wanted to pay it forward to what yeah. people had invested in me, and, and hopefully role model. Yeah. And what you're doing to role model uh, what what folks need to continue to do forward, and yep. you know, and I think you can do this. What you just described, you can do at the company level with staff sergeants as a company battery 100%. troop commander, right? Yep. And actually, that's what we need folks doing, yep. right? You know, yep. company commanders and first sergeants doing the same thing that you just described, but with staff sergeants, yeah, right. A lot of battalion commanders. Yep. I think a fair bit of battalion commanders do it with platoon leaders. They do. They do. Um, but we got to get this to where you know exactly what you described, focused on warfighting, yep. being done at, at that echelon yep. as well. And I think that's you know it's not just you know I, I bet if I went and talked to your team, it's it's not just what we get out of it from a warfighting. It's what we start to build from a, a trust and a cohesion standpoint yeah. because we sort of start to understand yeah. what we know and don't know and that you're yeah. investing in people. Yeah. So appreciate you. I hope so. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm, I'm sure of it. I'm yeah. confident. I'd, I'd yeah. have to check that hypothesis <laughs> talking with your team. I'm, I'm, I'm confident of that. Yeah. Um, you know, something else you said I thought was it was interesting and, and uh, you know, I, I know you well and sort of, um, you know, um, you know, I appreciate the humility of, of saying that you're anxious about letting the team sure. down. And, yeah. and I think, you know, there's kind of two types of people, like those that are and those that aren't and those that aren't, like probably I'm self-aware, yep. right? Um, now, now, of those that are, not everybody necessarily shares it. Yeah. Um, 
but uh, you know, I actually think that's kind of healthy. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. Um, you know, I think the the humility of like what we're doing is like really, really this stuff's hard. Yeah. Right. And like you, I'd never been a brigade commander before. I was a brigade commander. Um, didn't have a lot of sets and reps of, yeah. of maneuver in a brigade. I certainly found, you know, my rotation challenging. Yeah. And I'd served for two years as a, a team senior. Oh yeah. And uh, it, even though I might have had the questions, I didn't have the answers. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's hard. Yeah. Um, and so I just appreciate you sharing that. Um, well, the other, the other thing, just one more thing on, you know, at the other end of this thing, um, we I want it, we're going to be put under. A, a stress test and I know it's going to expose some things and when we get on the other end of it I want to have a team that owns kind of those shortfalls yeah. and then we bake it into how we're going to address them fully knowing that you know I heard General McConville say one time when he was the G1 you know the, stop don't don't worry about like turbulence that's just the natural state of the army every time you stick your finger in the river it's different water you know but I think you mentioned it. How do you kind of mitigate that half-life, that yeah. task atrophy that occurs naturally? And I think you said something about extending it out. Yeah. Um, and I, I made a note of that because now, you know, incumbent on us will be to retool our plan based on where we're at coming out of that thing. Yeah, and you know, to the, you know, I'll pull it back to the leader development, and um, you know, and I talked about this a little bit with your group. But you know the the investment you're making in company battery troop commanders now, uh, the experience at LTP for for many of them, the the experience at JPMRC, you know there's a real operational uh, output from that. It's a it's a brigade that's ready to go do Pacific Pathways, you know, yep. part of the Indo-Pacific campaign, reassure allies, deter adversaries. Yep. Um, but there's another component to it of these these are the people that are gonna be our majors in yeah. three to five years. Yep. And then the majors in three to five years are gonna be our battalion commanders. And then yep. some of these um, SAR majors and in, in, uh, battalion commanders are gonna be brigade level leaders. And, yep. you know, we we gotta have, you know, the folks that are behind us gotta be better at this than we are, yeah. right? That's right. And if, if we love our, you know, if we love our army and we do, like that's exactly what we want. Like yeah. I don't want to see people that I'm like, ah, like, I'm so much better at this than you are. Right. Right? I want the opposite. And yeah. then, you know, I'm fortunate. And I know you know you and I've talked about this. Um, you know, I love it when I see a major and I'm like, wow, that person is so much better at this 100%. than I was. Yeah, I have company <laughs> commanders where I think to myself, I'm really glad I'm not competing with that person. Right, because they're gifted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so it, it won't end with JPMRC, right? Like yeah. this is just an inflection point in yeah. the training progression. Talk to me a little bit about what's ahead for the brigade after Pacific Pathways and what that looks like and what that means, not just for the brigade, but, but for the theater. Yeah, so um, we'll come out of JPMRC mid-November. Um, we'll do what we do, majority of the Army as an opportunity to downshift into some holiday time. You know, Tropic Lightning Week for us is our division week. That'll be the first week of December. Well learned. Probably the weather is a little bit better there in the winter the than weather Fort is, Drum. It's not, it's not terrible. It is not terrible. Um, and then, you know, we'll come out of the new year and we'll start loading boats with equipment to go out to many countries out west of the international dateline. And we'll start our contribution to the to the persistent campaign that is Pacific Pathways towards the end of January, and it'll go 
into the middle of the summer beyond my tenure. You know, I'll, I'll leave in May, but another Bronco 6 will step in because we're the Army and the campaign will continue. And, and we'll have, you know, soldiers from the division, allies and partners with us all over the Pacific in countries like the Philippines, Indonesia, Malaysia, Bangladesh, potentially India and others. And, and we're, doing, we're doing several things out there. We're, we are working closely with allies and partners um, to, to build relationships and build interoperability, um, build confidence and engender trust in each other. Um, we're building readiness in our formations. As an example, No Fear is going to spend, 227 is going to spend quite a bit of time in Philippines, so we're going to design their, their time there to hit some collective training gates that they would need to hit regardless of where they were located so they can, they can continue to kind of sharpen the blade while, while they're out there. The other thing we're doing is learning from our allies and partners too, which sometimes Americans aren't super great about acknowledging. Yeah. Um, but we spent some time with a with a with a Five Eyes partner recently. I did a Mungadai with my command teams in New Zealand, and it was it was amazing. Once in a two year command kind of opportunity. And crucible. It was a crucible. But one of my takeaways from that was um, the value of partners that actually live in the region all the time and routinely spend time in some of these other locations. Um, and because they don't have the mass that we have and the resources. They have nuanced or different approaches to problem solving that we would benefit from maybe considering. Yeah. Um, so I, I was I got to do Talzin Saber and Hamel okay. back in yeah. the summer of '15, and I was beyond impressed with the field craft of the Australian Army. Oh yeah. I was beyond impressed yeah. with the camouflage dispersion. Yeah. Um, they're really really good at it. Yeah. And, and it, some of it gets to like okay when you don't have some things or, or you live persistently in an environment yep. um, yeah so I, yeah. I agree with that for yeah. sure yeah and then and then the other the other piece of it like the, the as an example the Bronco Brigade social media page there's adversaries in the in the region that I hope are looking at our social media and when they see it I want them to see disciplined trained cohesive teams that are that are serious about what they're doing. They're focused on war fighting, and in their brain they calculate, maybe not today, yep. maybe next week. Um, and so when they see us with allies doing things that are credible, that's a signal as well. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what it's. I think it's about. Yeah, and I think you know we we talk about that here. You know, every every rotation we're doing, you know, it's to be as ready as possible for the thing that we all pray and hope never happens. Yeah. Right. Um, well, you know, that's that's part of what we do as professionals. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things we talk about in in the brigade is, and it resonates probably with some of my E7s and above. I ask guys routinely, if today were 10 September 2001, what would be on your calendar? Right. Are you ready? Are you ready? Yeah. And and you know, I met a PFC Bradshaw last week who reminded me that she wasn't born on 9/11, so it doesn't resonate with her. But it darn sure resonates with some of the more senior people when you think about, you know, would your priorities be different? Would your training calendar be different if you knew you were going to go do something yeah. really, really hard in, in a month? Yeah, probably, probably would. Yeah, and that, you know, for our generation, you know, as you're describing, um, you know, sometimes younger generation doesn't understand why we're doing what we're doing, and obviously it's our job to communicate that. Yeah. But, you know, this, uh, you know, and I know personally with you, I mean, we've been touched by it. 
Yeah. And um, you know, I, you and I were talking. I mean, I, I want every formation that I touch to be good enough yep. uh, for for my kids to serve in and be yep. safe, yep. Uh, and put them, you know, in a position that if if bad things are going to happen, that they're more than ready for it. Yeah. And uh, yep. take that pretty seriously. I know you do too. Yeah. Yep. Um, all right. So you know, with the. Uh, with what we're you know doing with the brigade, where, where have you sort of focused uh, in the training progression of kind of couple key tasks or areas where it's like, okay, th this is high payoff for us. This is where we got to put energy uh, to be as effective as possible. For the first year, because the squadron and the battalions were principally focused, you know, building squads, platoons, and we're just getting ready to hit the company gate with sticks and live fire. I very intentionally came in and did my best to baseline the brigade on what we what we refer to as the Bronco Combat Fundamentals. So it's a list of 14 or 15 fundamentals. You know, win the first 15 seconds. You know, team leaders lead for you know lead by example. Do as I do, go where I go, shoot as I shoot, etc. Yeah. We've added recently. You know, don't trade blood for first contact. You know, General Rainey's piece about you know the role of robotics we just got 30 commercial off-the-shelf DJI's in the brigade we're experimenting with how to use those there's a bullet added about masking but anyway it's fundamentals so what I what I told the brigade from day one and you know it, it gets disseminated to varying degrees but I said look these are the things that are important to me they're time-honored and proven you know some of them are my calls you know yeah, stuff from years ago fundamentals of fundamentals combat and how to train combat. for it that's right. <laughs> right some of them are you know colonel pete benchoff's stuff that he used i mean plagiarism is the most sincere form of flattery right yeah. so consolidated but what what i what i conveyed to the brigade is i want to see participants not attendees when we're talking fighting and and i understand we're all at different places of development but i'm going to help you by this is our standard language and these are the things that are important and oh by the way when i watch you train at echelon this constitutes evaluation criteria for your formations so i am looking forward to seeing how that translates or doesn't at jpmrc like hey what's really important uh, so the combat fundamentals was an emphasis a deliberate leader training program focused on captains and and fighting at the tactical level what uh, was important to me and then I've spent some time um, with the battalion commanders not as much as I as I wished I'd had but you know the intent over the first year was to come out of it with you know doc temps that are all universally agreed upon we're not quite there but that's been kind of my, my my general focus and we've also put um, some attention into NCO empowerment and you talked a little bit about it last night but that's where our speed and agility comes from on the battlefield is when when we can fight like that decentralized and and and, and you know we can we can empower our NCOs so a couple of things we've done that we drove across the line that I'm proud of we uh, we stood up a ready range it's not a new concept but we built the Bronco ready range named it after Sergeant White a fallen member of the brigade from from the GWAT and it's a range that a staff sergeant can run and all you do is call the Brigade 3 shop. You pull your ammo out of your arms room because we're authorized now to have ammunition there. You load ammo, you go out to the range, and you execute an approved CONOP that's in the binder. And you're, oh, by the way, expected to contribute to the CONOP of binder of, you know, binder of CONOPs. And that is less about a range, and, and we're, we're putting some fitness stuff out there to make it kind of a multi-purpose training facility. It's less about the range for me, and it's more about a vehicle for leader development. Right. So. The ready range is great, 
first sergeants, my expectation is when a staff sergeant tells you he's going to the ready range, you're like, hey, come here. Walk me through your progression. Where's the team starting? What are your objectives for this time? Et cetera, et cetera. So it's a vehicle for NCO yeah. empowerment. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I, you know, I think the other kind of part of that is it's accountability, right? As you described, right? Like, hey, if we're going to give you the keys to the range, then you're going to be accountable to to keep it safe. You know, you're you're the, you're, you're the person doing the draw. I'm, I'm right? really glad you brought that up because a couple folks have asked, you know, as we were working through this concept, well, what if somebody, what if somebody, does the wrong thing out there? Well, yeah, women. I we have mechanisms to do that, you know, to respond to that, counseling, and other forms. Like, let's let's start with assuming they're going to act like adults, and let's train them and prepare them. So your your accountability piece is exactly right. Yeah, and you know, I, I think as as we as we talk generationally, you know, some of this is you know, I'm always a little f kind of floored when I hear you know somebody say, well, you know, our NCOs aren't empowered. That <laughs> they are, we just, frankly, you know, we. I think oftentimes as officers, we have a tendency not to set expectations. Yeah. And once we set those expectations, like the vast majority of our NCOs will be like, just cut them loose, and they're going to go do the thing. Yeah. Um, but we got to give that framework of like, hey, this is what I. These are the priorities, as yeah. you described. Just yeah. our major hall, like put down in a memo yeah. in yeah. 19 you know mid 1990s yeah uh, once we do that and once we like coach people to be like hey like we're expecting you to do X we told you to do X yeah uh, they're gonna respond yeah because um, yeah. that is where and I love the way you frame it, that's where the agility is gonna come there's no oh, yeah. way that um, well and that's the secret sauce for us right like we 100%. know that's the competitive yeah. advantage that we've got over everybody yeah. else yeah. Um, all right well what questions do you have for me I asked you a bunch last night. Um, got a lot of questions for you. Um, you know, we talked a little bit last night just about kind of where the Bronco Brigade is in the movie right now um, <laughs> with LTP. We can make some marginal adjustments, and we've started talking about some of that to our Brigade FTX we're going to do in September. But um, when you got to the other side of your 310 Mountain deployment, what were like the one or two things where you're like, because you went into that, you went into brigade command with some experience watching brigades at NTC, yeah. and I, knowing you, and I've read your products, you were you were very thoughtful about how you prepared yourself to take the colors. But what were the one or two things where you're like, how did I miss that? Um, Do you remember? Yeah, I think so. I think one is, you know, you, you got to command the formation or lead. I don't think it really matters whether you're a commander or just a leader. Um, the formation um, that that you have, yeah, uh, and that and that in the context that it's in, yeah. I think that's a really important one because like you can't, you can only bend the organization so much, um, and you got to be, I think, patient, and 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 it gets back to prioritizing, right? Yeah. Like, okay, hey, there's. Just endless things wrong with any unit that you're in, right? Yeah. So what are the yeah. most important and how do you prioritize those? And I think that um, my, uh, you know, initial, I got some good counsel right before I went in. Like I was probably getting ready to step off on a road that would have been unhelpful and I got some really good counsel uh, from Major General Rapp, okay. uh, retired. Yeah. Um, and it's like, hey, you know, you got it. You got a philosophy. You got a vision of this thing. Great. Hold on to it. 
go do the assessment, understand the organization, talk to people, and um, and then you know refine your your doc temp into a sit temp. Okay. And that was good advice um, because there was some stuff that I had to make adjustments early of like, oh, you know, I got to put way more emphasis on maintenance than I would have thought. Yeah. Kind of upfront, uh, the context that the brigade had you know, come out of doing Southwest border mission and then, you know, COVID, which nobody had sort of, you know, you can't anticipate. I had to make those adjustments. And some of those I was probably a little bit slower to make yeah. uh, than I should have. I, I know, you know, in the position that you're in, I know that I had also a lot of anxiety kind of before the rotation and, and sort of the things I thought we had to get to that we didn't. And, and a lot of that proved right, but then it's like, it's okay. The patients that like, this is training. That's why we're doing it. Yeah. Um, if if you're aware of it, you can you can start to kind of help fix it. Um, and I think that that uh, ended up being good. Um, being talked into a little bit of patience with some things. Okay. Uh, I think the second is, you know, things I regret from you know brigade command is I didn't cr- you know I I did a, I was really happy with how I did leader development as a as a battalion commander. Yeah. I didn't translate that well to the brigade level. What do you think the biggest impediment was? Just um, competing requirements. No. Um no, I um you know, focus on war fighting, but I probably didn't initially and I was slow to like, okay, my my battery commanders need something different. They don't need what I'm giving a rifle company. The FSC commanders need it. And, and yeah. a tendency to maybe leave behind the other 51% of the brigade that's really, you know, yeah. at the at that level is just essential. Yeah. Uh, cross-cutting warfighting functions. And so I didn't do it as well. Um, you know, my heart was in it, uh, but I didn't, honestly, I, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't conceptualize it well enough. And I didn't... Okay. Uh, I didn't probably pull in early enough some folks that could help me with some of that sustainment brigade commander. Yeah. Um, you had a great Devardi commander, probably could have leaned on him a little harder. Okay. Um, and that just, uh, I didn't, I didn't get that. I I don't think I left company barrier troop commanders with the, uh, this is how to do it, uh, going forward. And that was probably kind of, uh, big, big regret. Um, and then, you know, I think, um, you know, an eye towards uh, how do you make this stuff sustainable? You know, how do you make it outlive you uh, in the organization? I mean, we'd say legacy. Right. Yeah. And, and for the sake of the organization. How do you make it stick? Yeah. We, uh, we've been talking in terms of this time as, and, you know, somebody gave me great counsel that I've tried to apply. You know, join the unit where it's at. Like, I think we're definitely on the same page there. Um, but think about the year before you took command, you take command and drive the organization to peak a year after you leave. Right on. Just in terms, and, and for me, that framework, I'm like, all right, that's about stewardship. That, that, right. I, that, that, that resonates. Um, and I'm finding, you probably felt the same, most of the problems in the brigade that we have, one, they're solvable in perspective. I mean, they're, they're common. They're, they're problems uh, from a deficit of skill, not will. You got a lot of great leaders out there. They, they just they want to do good, sometimes in a world of darkness. And, and the reason that it's not 
happening the way you want is because they don't know. Yeah. So particularly those tactical fo tactically focused LPDs, my hope is an investment and we can draw the dividend at JPMRC. I guess you'll tell us here, you know, in a few weeks, but I'm, I'm hoping that that translates into, you know, speed and, and, and some, some things that, that we want to see in November. You know, I, I think with that though too is, um, you know, one of the, you know, it's the generational view of this, right? Like, um, you know, company commanders have always struggled with training management, right? Except for us. Except for, well, I struggle with it. <laughs> um, you know, and so it's sort of this, um, you know, I, 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 my, my working hypothesis is always like, they're no worse at it than I was yeah. until, until yeah. I kind of know otherwise. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, but I do think to your point about skill, there's things that with some perspective that generationally haven't been passed down because of GWAT, yeah. because of the, the, the churn that we were on and, um, you know, that are in our control. There's things that are beyond our control. Yeah. Um, but but how to train a company as a company commander um, is, is I'm, I'm not sure has been well passed down. And again, people, all the will in the world, yeah. but maybe not recognizing that like most of the training that happens for a company happens in the grassy area next to the company. Yeah. And you know, if we don't have priorities set, if we're not showing people how to do that, if there's not accountability to it, then we shouldn't be surprised. And um, you know, had had Sergeant Major Donaldson and Sergeant Major Nash in here. Really? Yeah, it was I great. Bet that was great. It was a great conversation. And you know, you know, how many reps does it take to be a really good saw gunner? One more, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, it just yeah. this takes a lot of yeah. work. Yeah. And. Um, you know, we got to do this stuff enough that where people can't do it wrong, not until they can do it right. And, yeah. you know, I think in, in understanding, you know, as, you, as you're developing company commanders that you're going to help them get to a certain point and they're going to become majors. Yeah. And they're going to help a generation of captains get to a certain point. And then those, you know, that, you know, and then three generations removed, we're like way better at all this stuff. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know the folks that are brigade commanders ten years from now are going to be way better than we are if, yeah. if we if we keep investing yeah. if we take these experiences of LTP JPMRC Pacific Pathways as not just what we're doing for the unit now but helping people understand the things that they've got to take and build off this going forward yeah um, because that's you know that's how our army gets to peak performance right yeah. I mean we're we're really really good uh, we are. Uh, but you know the great uh, the thing I love about the army is we're like super self-critical, like we, we're not we're never kind of satisfied, yeah. and I think that's a healthy place to be, and we should always yeah. be there. Yeah, the Ralph Puckett mantra. Right. You know, it's. Uh, um, I would ask you another question. I wanted to ask you this last night, because we were talking to each other about this time. You were in command. I was in Afghanistan. I think I called you from Bagram at some point, and you found out you were heading over with a portion of your brigade yeah. to HKI to participate in the. In, in what happened there. Yeah. When you think back on that, um, what intangibles came out of your crucible at JRTC that prepared you for that? Oh, that's... Because a, it's yeah. not LISCO. Yeah, 
Um, the army so, could be asked to do any number of things. Yeah, right. No, I think that's 100% true. I mean, I think, you know, we, you know, and I've, I've heard several senior leaders say this, right? Like, hey, you know, we're going to prepare for X, um, but we know that's actually not what's going to happen. Yeah. Right. And it's not because everybody's dumb and, yeah. and it, you know, it's just the world's an unpredictable prep place. And, and um, you know, so, so above all else, like hard training, privation, all of these things, you know, inure us to, to first and foremost to hardship. Yeah. And that's, I think, just hugely important. You know, it's, um, you gotta, if, if you wanna be hard, you gotta live hard and you gotta train hard. And um, that is, um, you know, you and I have lived that, we've seen it. And um, that experience that we get at the CTCs, I think it is hugely helpful to make, to, to making our army more resilient and making human beings that are more resilient. And, you know, we know that, um, that, that soldiers that come through these crucible experience, yeah. we know that they're more resilient. We, we, there's, there's data to support that. We yeah. know that to be true. Um, we shouldn't underestimate our soldiers. They're capable, um, yeah. we shouldn't be condescending to them. They're capable of doing these things. Yep. Uh, it's hard. Yep. It, just like going to ranger school is hard, but yep. it, but mortal people do these things, and, and we can do it. And so I think the first one is like, um, you know, the inuring people to hardship is really really important. It gives them something to, yeah. okay, this is bad, but it's not as bad as you know day seven in the Ford and box. Yeah. Um, yep. I think the second is you know complex problem solving under high stress, and um, I think as leaders sets and reps at doing uh, complex problem solving under high stress helps us know ourselves better, start to, to understand the physiological responses that we're having to stress yeah. and how do we, okay, I need to slow this down a minute and I need to like actually stop and think about what's happening. Yeah. And uh, you know, in those situations, the fundamentals of the operations process of, of just what we do with organizations will lead us to the right place. Yeah. You know, no, no fighter pilot would start an aircraft without a checklist. Yeah. Um, there's a reason that, you know, when I was at the embassy and things were going bad, we went to the whiteboard and we built a set of conditions checks. Okay. Um, cause they don't get tired. Cause they don't get tired. Yeah. And, and then that gave us something under high stress. And when things started to go bad to, to check against and say, okay. hey, where's this at? Is okay. the risk accessible? Kind of what are we doing? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I think for um, the last one I would give you is, and, and this is, you know, and I've talked about this in some other places, um, you know, the, the experience of hard training and getting to see people do it and, and sort of get maybe knocked back a little bit in these kind of training environments, I think it, 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 it builds a confidence and you know, I've never, um, I've never probably. I mean, this is, I've never been prouder um, as a leader than seeing the way young American soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines responded under extremely high stress yeah. in, a, in a really tough situation, and. Um, you know the kids are all right. Yeah. 
they're all right. They're yeah. they're amazing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you know, there's a there's a Rob Shaw, 19 year old Rob Shaw out there right now in Third Brigade, 82nd, that's waiting for somebody to send you know send him or or Rebecca Shaw uh, to uh, to Usma. They're amazing, and uh, you know yeah. we. we we would be really silly not to bet on them. They're pretty amazing, and and, and yeah. you know, got to see that. Saw it, saw it in rotation, uh, but absolutely uh, saw it over there for sure. And it was just yeah. r- really humbling and impressive to get a, to get to see that. Yeah, thanks for saying that. Yeah, I mean, I, I've I've had the opportunity to talk to to some folks recently that you know, if you watch the news, there's all kinds of reasons to wring your hands to yeah. be worried, but like in the 25th division, like every day, you're like. Man, this, these people are pretty dang good. I don't, yeah. I don't know what they're talking about on the news. Cause yeah. these people are focused on war fighting, and they're, the future's pretty bright. Yeah, and just being great human beings. Yeah, you know. Yeah, um, you know. Cool. You heard that McCain speech uh, before he passed at the Naval Academy, where you know he kind of did his. I don't know if it was a commencement or whatever, but he talked about the compensation you get for military service. Uh, you know, one of the lines is, you know. Your fellow citizens, you know, you know, will, you know, you won't get this, the same rights and privileges as the citizens you protect. But your compensation comes in other forms. It comes in the form of adventures and good company. Yeah. The good company part, absolutely. Um, and then the adventures. I mean, you know, you just, <laughs> you know, but my my battalion in Italy. If you went to Mod Company in my first year there, and you're a young man or woman from, you know, your first plane ride was to go to the 173rd as a young enlisted soldier. You went to six countries in your first year. Pretty cool adventures. Pretty cool adventures, yeah. and, and there's some, some, uh, some soldiers and uh, the Bronco team that are probably getting ready to do the same thing oh, here. <laughs> they they can't wait to get yeah. to Fiji. Yeah, you know, <laughs> tough break. So yeah, yeah. What else is on your mind? Well, hey, um, you know, so we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up. This might be the highlight of my career. Uh, getting well, an hour with me, Matt Hardman. Me, me too. <laughs> and we've we've come a long way. We have. There's we've hope come for a everybody. Long way, long yeah. way from our our, yeah. uh, our tent and Bagram uh, yeah. living together. But uh, no, it's uh, it's great seeing you. I'm glad we got some time together, and uh, and truly uh, honored to, to have gotten to serve with uh, with Rob, and um, and you know this idea of good company. Uh, for sure, and adventures, and, you know, and the one I'd add to that, and I know you get it, is, is you've got, you know, a son in ROTC right now is, you know, we're just, uh, in whatever small way we're able, we're, we're able to, to, to help people reach their superpowers mm-hmm. by, by doing awesome stuff and hopefully trying to help them along the way, and that's pretty powerful. So yeah. thanks for your time, Rob. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thanks for your friendship. Yeah, this was great. This was fun. Thank you for joining us on The Crucible, the JRTC experience. The Joint Readiness Training Center is the premier crucible training experience. We prepare units to fight and win in the most complex environments against world-class opposing forces. We are America's leadership laboratory. Again, we'd like to thank our guests for participating. This podcast was created and produced by Mr. John Maves. It was recorded and edited by Chief Thomas Rich and researched by First Lieutenant Anthony Cho. Intro vocals were done by Mr. Robert Chopper. Special thanks to Captain Jermaine Branch and Mr. Jeff England from Public Affairs. Be sure to like and follow us on social media to keep up with the latest warfighting TTPs learned through the crucible that is the Joint Readiness Training Center. 
follow us by going to https colon forward slash forward slash l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e forward slash j-r-t-c. We'd like to thank our partners at the Center for Army Lessons Learned of the Combined Arms Center, especially the JRTC Call Observations Detachment. Be sure to follow them on social media as well. Follow them at https colon forward slash forward slash www.army.mil forward slash c-a-l-l. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and review us wherever you listen or watch your podcasts, and be sure to stay tuned for more in the near future. The Crucible, the JRTC Experience, is a product of the Joint Readiness Training Center.